Amen. You can take your Bible, turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. A blessing to be back in the house of the Lord today. This morning I preached on four Bible truths. I'm going to preach tonight on four fabulous facts out of the Bible. And uh, there's really a lot more than that, but, but you know, 4.13, I mean Hebrews 13, sorry, Hebrews 13, verse number 5 and 6, would you stand, honor the Word of God, <clears throat> he's given final consolation to these scattered saints. And I believe it's Paul doing the saying here, but Paul is, uh, he's closing out the book and he's giving final direction. He says in verse 5, let your conversation, that's not, that's not your talk, but that's your lifestyle. Let your living, your lifestyle, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said. That makes it very makes it pretty important for us to take note of it. He himself has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may say, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. Brother Jeffrey, would you lead us in prayer, please? Father, what a blessing it is to know that uh, you're with us all the way. I thank you, Lord, for that. And I thank you for this time that we have together. I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint Pastor Wayne, help him as he his word, and you be working in our hearts. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, he says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content. So I want to say, first of all, uh, I've got four points to make and. Uh, I got a couple of them off of a page of a book and got me digging in this passage. And uh, the preacher who wrote the book said that if we could get a hold of these two verses, we could live our lives without fear. Do y'all believe that? Uh, uh, well, I just want to try to put these truths in order as we go through here. First of all, the contentment of his provision. I don't know where I came up with it, but somewhere I have heard that contentment is not getting what you want, but it's wanting what you already have. Think about that a minute. Most of us have more than the whole world's ever thought about up to this time, and only in America do we have it. I saw a picture this week somewhere, maybe on Facebook or something, of a covered wagon, and the fellow was rebuking us for, for complaining about no internet, and all kinds of, of our little whines. And he, ta he pointed back to that day. My grandmother talked about a day when they came out of Iowa down to the Indian nation in a covered wagon pulled by oxen, landed in a dugout with a dirt floor, and she was still cooking on a 
wood stove and a kerosene stove when I was a, when I came along. There was no power, no lights, no refrigeration, uh, none of that out there. She had lived with that all of her life, and she thought it was a big deal when when they got to go to the wash interior to wash clothes. You know, that was pretty. So, hey, none of none of none of them had air conditioning, and so uh, I hear the complaint now about uh, $200,000 or something uh, being applied to air conditioners for to put in the windows for people. I remember coming to Fort Worth when we all fought over the screened-in porch, see who who gets sleep on the screened-in porch so you could cool off and go to sleep. Anyway, are you content tonight? In the Lord, are you content? See, if you know Jesus Christ, you have contentment. You, if you've got clothes on your back, a house, and a bed, well, you're rich if you got Jesus. Uh, I would say there's no contentment outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say it several times, so get ready for it. Here's why, we've, here, uh, here's why we're not content. We think our needs are the needs of those we love is somehow going to be, not be met. Somebody's going to take it away from us or we're going to lose it or something. Uh, or and this would be a good place to do this. I've been trying to come up with it in my own mind. What is the greatest single, what is the greatest need for our contentment right now, right here, right now? What's your greatest need? Well, whatever you name outside of the Lord Jesus Christ will never give you contentment outside of Him. Only Jesus can meet the deep need of your soul. Only Jesus can meet the need of your heart. Only Jesus can, can bring that place of contentment. I was, I was thinking about this today. It's so easy. I mean, so easy to get crossways and, and frustrated and empty-hearted and burned out on serving the Lord. But you know one of the greatest things you can do is when that time comes is get on your knees. Get back in your book. Find the Word of God. And read 13, 5, and 6. Find you a verse that you can claim. This whole message came out of that moment in my own heart. I believe we need a place of peace. Uh, for years I've carried... Uh, well, I'll tell you about that later. You'll never be content outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be saved and not be content. If you're, if you're saved and not living for the Lord, you're the most miserable person on the face of the earth. I mean, it's, and it doesn't get better, it gets worse. The more you try to do for yourself outside of Christ, when you know He is your Savior the more you'll hate yourself. He's called you. He has birthed you. And He's in you. And He's drawing you. We didn't get saved for our, our glory. We got saved for God's glory. And uh, He wants to use it. So uh, the deep need of your heart only met in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then secondly, not just the contentment. I've, I'm coming down. I've got, I'm hurrying through these. He said, he has said, 
I'll never leave thee or forsake thee. There is the companionship of his presence. It's amazing to me that our careless life we live, our self-centered life as Christians, think about us. We're saved. It took every bit of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to get us saved. It took God's only Son to get us saved. It took... uh, Wednesday night we got over there in the book of Luke and looked at the, some of the persecution and the heartaches and the suffering that he went through just so we could be saved. And we come in here and, you know, they always, these guys in the foyer always give me trouble. But I, I said this morning it was going to be short. And, what, and somebody said, what do you mean by short? And uh, somebody said, well, he meant 40 minutes instead of 45 minutes. Don't hope for that now. It might not be that. It'll be whatever the Lord wants. But uh, I'll try to hurry. But think about this. What's the hurry? We're here with him. He promised where two or three are gathered, I'll be with you. What's the hurry? What's, what do you got at home that's better than being with him and with his people? Amen. Only Jesus can bring that contentment. And we rush into his presence, we rush out of his presence, and some of us will leave our Bible laying in the car till Wednesday night. And we spend, we spend very little time with him We live our lives for us. He saved us. We bought us. We are His. So, and and even when we fail, even when that cancer word is used or some other dirty word, we turn and call on Him. Jan sent a message last night, Dr. Dr. Birdwell is struggling for life. He's 96 years old. I went and visited him a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago. What a man of God he is. I wish I had a doctor that had that kind of an outlook on life for me. But he's He's struggling right now. And she was wanting me to check on him. Well, all I can do is call. And I call and left a message and I haven't heard back. So I don't know if they would even recognize who I am. Anybody but Jan. But you know what? From our conversation, our two-hour conversation a couple of Saturdays ago, That old man knows Jesus. And he's not alone where he is. And he has peace where he is. He understands what it is. Hey, if the doctors fail, Jesus won't fail. If his family fails, Jesus won't fail. If there's nobody that cares, Jesus cares. You understand it? You may, not, you may not appreciate it right now, but there's somewhere in your life you're going to want that. You're going to want him to be there. You're going to want him to care. So, just the, it's a blessing, isn't it? it? Hey, look around us. Uh, this whole world could blow up before morning. They're already, Europe's already in an uproar. Now it looks like the Far East is building something. I don't know what. And it could all go. And and if you're depending on Biden, you're in trouble, I'll tell you that. But but we we don't have to depend on Biden. And we don't have to depend on... I mean, if it all blows up before morning, what's the worst thing that can happen? 
we'll be walking on a golden street. And what a day that'll be. I mean, that's where we're headed. He, He is our companion. So, and then, here's where I want, here's where I'm really aiming at. His, our contentment in His provision, our companionship in His presence. I would say, He, he has said, I, He, the Son of God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I know I've told this story. Anybody remember the story on David Livingston? David Livingston in the deep heart of Africa hadn't, hadn't been seen in two months. Uh, Stanley went to look for... Hadn't been seen in six months, I guess. And Stanley, Stanley went to look... The reporter went to look for him and found him. He was a... He was... He, he was uh, starving to death. His teeth had already fallen out. He was just skin and bones. And he got his log book and handed it to Stanley and said, Would you take this back to my family? Make sure it gets back to England and publish this. You know, I may never get to go home. Stanley read a few pages of it and he said, Dr. Livingston, come go with me. He said, I'll, I'll get this published. You'll be the toast of the nation of England. You'll, be, you'll never want for a place to preach. You'll always be in demand the rest of your life. Dr. Livingston says, Stanley, I can't do that. God called me here. God called me to serve here. And I've got to be here. But Dr. Livingston, you're going you're gonna to die out here. There's not, another, there's not another civilized person in a thousand miles of you. You've been out here all these months. All that's around is these bearers. And you're all alone. Oh no. Oh no, Stanley, I'm not alone. He has said, I'll never leave you. I'll forsake you. And Stanley, this is what Dr. Livingston said. Stanley, it's the word of a perfect gentleman. And God won't break his word. Stanley went back. A week later, he didn't come out of his tent for two or three days and finally the bearers went into the tent. He was kneeled down by the cot, had his Bible open. He was praying and went home to the, be with the Lord. They took his heart out and buried it. Somebody's written that song now, said, bury my heart on the mission field, Lord. Please bury my heart. They buried his heart. Those bearers salted him and preserved him and wrapped him and carried him a thousand miles to the port. They shipped him back to England. He's, he's buried in Buckingham Palace. If I ever get to England, I want to go see that. See, he had confidence in the person who said... I'll never leave you or forsake Most of us don't have much confidence because we've never tried him. But he promises. He has said. He himself has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You ought to get that down in your mind. It's the word of a perfect gentleman. And God won't go back on his word. So, when you fail, he'll be there. When you're struggling, he'll be there. You say, Brother, Brother Wayne, how you, how, how you so confident? Well, I want to show you the confidence of his promise. 
See, the promise is only as good as the person who makes it. I mean, you go to one of these used car lots, they'll promise you anything. But whether or not they'll keep their word is another thing. Some of you have experienced that from friends right here in this church who promised and didn't deliver. But when God promises, it's different. So who is it, who is it that said, I'll never leave you or forsake you? Well, I want to answer that question. I said this morning I had a short message. This made it a little longer when I began to answer. If you take your Bible and go over to Psalm 139, what a chapter this is. Psalm 139 is going to identify him who said, who said, I'll never leave you. or He has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Who says that? I want to say it is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of very gods himself that said it. So, when you say, God, I just don't have the strength, who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you? I want to say it'll be this omnipotent God who answers You can look down to verse 13, 139. Here's the omnipotence of God. For thou hast hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me from my mother's womb. I'll praise thee, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously thought. In the lower part of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which are in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious, get you ought to mark this, I got it marked in red. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And when I'm awake, I'm still with thee. Whether I'm a a unnumbered baby just in the imagination of a, a mother's heart. Or if I'm an old man fixing to leave here, I'm still with thee. You are the omnipotent God who's able to deliver me. Secondly, when you say, God, I'm afraid of what's going to happen, who answers and says, I'll never leave you or forsake you? I want to say, go down to verse number 7. No, no. Go down to, yeah, verse number 7. Here's the omnipresent God. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and... Do you see verse 8? It's either heaven or hell. But death cannot hide me from God. God's God when I'm alive. God's God when I'm dead. God's still my God. Great promise in eight. Nine. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Those, those boys on deployment, they can depend on God. If they know Jesus as their Savior, He's going to be there when they get there. And uh, if, 
If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. You're saved. You know Jesus. Can I say to this? You can't go to a dark enough hole to, to hide from God. You can't go to a, a wicked enough place to hide from God. He's going to be there when you get there. He won't leave you alone. If you're his, he's going to be with you and bring you back. Don't go there. That's what that verse says. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. He's the omnipresent God. You can run, but you can't hide from him. So if you say, God, I don't know what to do. Now then, the omniscient. All-knowing God answers, verse 1, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. You ought to underline that verse. He knows all about you. He knows every beat of your heart. He knows every thought that crosses your mind. He, he has searched you and He knows you. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou, know, thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassed the path, my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. There's not, see, what he said is my walk. You understand about, all about my walk. You understand where I've got to go, with the job I've got to do, the temptations I'll face. You understand everything about me. You know me. You know where my weak point is. You know where my strong point is. You know how to hold my hand. You know me. Verse number uh, four. And there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Uh-oh. Was there a word on your tongue this week that he didn't need to hear? He already knew it before you said it. He knew what you were going to say. He knows the... He knows your conversation. He knows. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge. See, he maneuvers. I heard Brother Larry Atkinson give this testimony years ago. He talked about that he was 19 or 20 years old, and he and his cousin were planning on coming to, they lived up uh, somewhere in the edge of Oklahoma, Duncan, Duncan, Oklahoma. They were planning on coming down into Texas, and they were going to go party and just have a big time and just let their hair down. And they'd heard all about uh, the Fort Worth stockyards and they were coming down to just really do it upright and he said everything we intended to do we had kind of mapped it out but they had a car wreck somewhere up around Gainesville Gainesville and old Larry limped a little bit for a while but he never did go party and he said, you know, Brother Wayne, God shut it down before we ever got there. He can shut it down on you. You think you're going to do something. You think you're going to be something. You think you can get away with something. He can outmaneuver you. He, we, used to, we used to call it a rolling body block. If you could get one of them on a guy, you could bring the biggest one of them down. You know what it was about? I mean, you run up. If you can hit him on his blind side, he's going down. God can put a rolling body block on you. God can fix you. He's wanting you to get in his will. He's wanting you to get in his will. You're wanting my will, my will. He can outmaneuver you. You're his. He is the... He is... He is the omniscient, omnipotent, 
omnipresent God, he says. He's, he said, when you don't know what to do, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, verse 6. It's high, and I cannot attain unto it. The omniscient, all-knowing God. So look at verse, I'm coming, hold on to this passage right here. Let's go back over to Hebrews just a minute. Hebrews chapter number 13 verse 5 says, He has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man can do to me. I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know where you are in your life. But here's what I do know from the Word of God. There's no one here that can, if you're saved, there's no one here that cannot say this. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man can do to me. Isn't that a wonderful place to be? Nobody. I mean, there's nothing. There's no medical. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, there's no double cross of friends. There's nothing that... No, I will not fear what man can do because he's my helper. Now I want to show you one more thing out of Psalm 139. He says in 17, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more the number in the, in the sand. And when I wake, I'm still with thee. So what are we going to do about it? I've got three points here, beginning in verse 19. First of all, you remember when Peter, remember when Peter was walking on water toward Jesus and, and the storm was blowing and he began to sink? You remember what he said? He didn't pray a long, lengthy. I've got a series on the prayers of Peter, and I've been intending to preach some of them, but he didn't, he didn't put one of them, now I lay me down to sleep. He didn't, he didn't begin to say uh, all the big, exotic King James words, quote a verse or two before he ever got into the... What did he, what'd he say? Lord! Save me. The psalmist said, You know more. You can do more. You can be more than I can ever know. Lord, save me. That's what he said. Thou shalt slay the wicked. O God, depart from me, therefore. Thou shalt slay the wicked, O God. Here's what I put in a note on my Bible. My sins. My temptations, my sins. That's the wicked. He said you can slay the wicked. You can destroy all those things that separate between me and you. Oh, oh God, depart. <laughs> slay the wicked. Depart therefore ye bloody men. My sins. That's called repentance. When we turn from our sins to God, you realize it? He already knows your sins. He knows more about your sins than you know. And John sung that song this morning. Uh, sin will cost you. Uh, sin will take you further than you wanted to go. Sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And sin will cost you very much more. 
than you ever thought you'd have to pay. We could go around this town tonight and find some folks could give you a testimony of the cost of sin. There's probably somebody in this congregation could say something about the cost of sin. It costs you. He said, but you can, you can slay the wicked. You can, you can chase the bloody men away from me. For they speak unto thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. So the first step is, save me. And then the second step is, separate me. Get me away. Take the enemy away. That enemy that takes your name in vain, get it away from me, Lord. Get me out of from that crowd. Give me, give me a, give me back over here to the people of God and the and the things of God, to the omnipotent, omniscient, uh, omnipresent Savior. Verse twenty, verse twenty-three. He said, "He said of these wicked ones, I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies." Let me ask you a question. When uh, when they when they give you that when they give you that uh, enticing video on you phone or your computer or your TV or the commercial comes on I've never figured out I never figured out why it takes uh, women jumping around on couches to sell furniture y'all wonder about that a little bit I mean men sit on furniture too but we don't ever see that do we I'll tell you why. It's an insinuated lust. They want you to they want you to lust a little bit. That's the wicked. They're throwing their things up in the face of God and they want you to join in just a little. It's an enticement to your flesh nature. He said, I hate those wicked men. Separate me from those wicked ones. And then he said, search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. I can't keep myself from being a man of flesh. I can't keep myself from this wicked one but I hate it Lord I hate it when I overrule that spirit who is in me Lord search me and cleanse me and separate me from those things that keep me from being all you want me to be and I want you with me at all times Lord I don't want to leave you save me separate me search me And then he said, show me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And if you find it, Lord, just lead me in the way everlasting. Give me me a goal in my heart and in my life. I, I would say that in this congregation, this is the cream of the crop, Metropolitan Baptist Church, but in this congregation, there's a lack of a real goal for God in your lives. And if we would get in our our prayer closet and just say, save me, separate me, search me, and then send me, show me, give me a goal. Help me to know what I need to do to serve you, Lord. Help me to know how I need to live to have your presence dominant in my life, Lord. You understand it? Here's what I wrote down on my on my clothes here. When you find your contentment, companionship, and confidence in Jesus, then 
you'll find your comfort and your courage to live for Him. Until you turn your heart from the world to Him, it's going to be a battle going on every day. Up one day, down one day. Away from Him one day, close one. But when you turn, He said, He has said, he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. When you turn to him, I heard that story. I, I preached with a fellow from North Carolina. He was a singer. I, I was preaching and he was singing. We got to talking about our dads. About the age I am now, my dad went into Alzheimer's and had four or five years of pure torture in the Alzheimer's world. And we and he talked about his dad did not have Alzheimer's, but he had dementia. And he got fearful. He said, Brother, why do you be afraid of the dark? And he, he had written a song. And the title of the song was, Are You There, Son? He said, I wrote it for my dad. He said, he's laying there. He said, we sleep cot to cot. I'm on one cot. He's on, the, on one a little bed, bunk bed, and he's on the other one. And he said, He'll wake up and I'll hear him say, Are you there, son? And he said, I'll just reach over and touch him. And i say, Here I am, Dad. He'd roll over and go back to sleep. If you hadn't been there, you don't understand it. But if you've been there, you understand what's going on. It's that insecurity of, that, of not being able to think and do for yourself as you once did. Somewhere, sometime, you'll wake up in the dark. And you've been running your race your way and playing your games your way. And all of a sudden, it dawns you on you. And it's time to say, are you there, Lord? I would say every one of us need that every day. Are you there today, Lord? Hey, there was tears on these altars this morning. I believe God was in this place this morning. Don't leave him here. Take him with you where you go. He has said, I won't leave you. Don't leave him out of your life. There's a day somewhere, sometime, in our storm, when we're going to need to be able to boldly say, I can trust him, and he'll take care of me. I don't know where you are today. Maybe it's today. If it's not today, it'll be tomorrow, but somewhere you're going to need him. The recipe is Psalm 139, but the statement's over in Hebrews 13, the promise. And you can boldly say, he's able to take care of everything for me. I don't have to depend on what I can do. I can depend on what he'll do. So I don't know where we're at. And I, I'm just thankful that he showed me these scriptures. Some of them are so fresh, they're still, still got the ink on my hands. 
They're not new scriptures, but they're new in my heart. And I don't want to lose this idea. He has said, I'll be with you. So now I can boldly say, I'm his. He's mine. He knows. He cares. And he'll do what's needed for me. Let's stand. Father, I pray you've had your way here tonight. And I ask you, Lord, that you'd just take charge of us. Lord, I pray you'd help us to seek, seek your face. And look for your companionship day by day. And know that you care about us. Lord, that verse said, search me, O Lord. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Cleanse me, wash me, fill me, use me for your glory. Lord, I thank you for I thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you that you saved us back there. But thank you for keeping us over here. And Lord, we just give you ourselves again, fresh and new. And I ask you that you'd work in each heart here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God spoke to you. You need to get in the altar. Why don't you do it right now? God dealing with you. Why don't you get it right with him? Get him near. Maybe you just need to say, search me. Or maybe you need to say, save me. Or maybe you need to say, send me. I don't know what. But would you do business with God right now? Let him have his way with you. Number 160. Oh, so.
forsake you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That, I didn't have that message yesterday morning. The Lord just poured it through me. I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm still thrilled and awed by what he does. Thank God for being God. Thank Jesus for being present. Thank God that he calls us his children. Brother. Mr. The Chorus 506. This is my story. This is my story. This is my song. This is my